Hello and welcome to the Catalyst podcast. My name is Ken Valady, partner and co-founder of Progressive, and this is a podcast series about the power of startup corporate partnerships and how, if carefully managed, they can become a true catalyst for change for the future. Every episode, I will interview either a startup founder or an industry leader who have experienced the benefits of these partnerships firsthand and are willing to discuss and share their key learnings and insights. This week, I'm really pleased to be speaking to Johnny Grubin, who is the founder and CEO at Sopost. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Great to be here with you. So, Johnny, to kick off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and Sopost? Of course. So I'm the founder of Sopost. um, And what we do here is we help brands and retailers run really powerful product sampling campaigns online. I set the business up back in 2012. And... The original sort of vision for the business, as you might hear later on, was very different to what it is that we do today. But when we started really building out our solutions for sampling, one of the things that really stood out to me was that pretty much every CPG brand was sampling one way or another. And the reason why was because it works. You know, fundamentally, I really became convinced that when brands could get the right sample to the right person, it always drove that conversion. But the more that I looked at what brands were doing it really seemed to me like nobody was really maximizing the impact of those samples because a lot of the time it was very badly targeted, which led to a lot of product wastage. We were seeing that it was very difficult for brands to capture data about those people they were sampling to. And thirdly, and actually probably the thing that stood out the most to me was that everyone I met told me that their sampling had performed incredibly well. But when we tried to dig into the measurement behind that, it became apparent that most of that insight was anecdotal rather than being backed up by real numbers. And so I really set up Sopos to to solve for those challenges. And ultimately, everything that we do is focused on helping brand and retail partners run much more powerful and effective sampling campaigns online, but with a very strong focus on three core areas of relevance, data and analytics. So... You started in 2012. And since then, what kind of companies have you been successful with? What kind of corporates have you partnered with? Yeah, so our growth over the past six, seven, eight years has been really quite astounding when I look back on it. We tend to work with a pretty broad range of companies, but our customer base primarily is multinational enterprise organizations across beauty, pharmaceuticals, food and beverage, and a a few other categories as well. So how developed over time have these relationships become? Because in my day, sampling was all campaign driven. Have you managed to develop partnerships over time and keep that relationship going? That's actually one of the things that I was really quite focused on from the very start, because in other roles that I've had pre-SOPOS, one of the big challenges we had was either getting people to even start working with us because we were asking for such a big commitment Or on the other hand, really being challenged to go from doing something on a campaign-by-campaign basis to turning it into a longer-term partnership. And I wouldn't say it's always followed the ideal route, but the way we've managed to build things out here is that when we start working with a new partner, and particularly in the early days when there were just a few of us, the focus was really on making it so incredibly easy for a brand to start working with us that as long as they had some buy-in to the concept, there weren't really any blockers in terms of massive fees, technical integrations, anything else. The focus was really just on showing them what we could do. 
And so the way we tend to work is we make it very easy for brands to try us. But then, of course, the end goal really is to turn that into a longer term relationship. And I'd say more often than not, the way that we're working with our partners now is what we do is really becoming baked into their marketing plans. But one of the challenges we had in the early years was that whilst everyone was sold on the benefits of sampling, what we were doing online was very different. You know, the value proposition was different. The cost profile of working with us was certainly very different from standing people in train stations as well. And what we were able to prove out with a number of our early partners was firstly, online sampling does work, but also it's the channel that is right for now. And as a result of that, those people who have got comfortable with working with us on a campaign by campaign basis, now know where we sit in their marketing sort of picture. And so for many of our big corporate partners now, we're not even just working with them on an individual brand basis. We have these group-wide agreements in place that allow brands to work with us in a very holistic way. And we can scale up or down as needed over you know the 12 or, or 24 month term. So in effect, you guys have brought sampling into the 21st century because is in effect quite a traditional form of marketing, you know, handing someone a sample of a product to try. And as you mentioned at the start, there a lot of people did it and they could see the benefits of it. But when you kind of go under the, the bonnet as such, there's not a lot of data or science that's available to people to really, really assess whether it worked or not. And what you've done with technology and your vision at the start is to actually drag it, dare I say, into the 21st century and say there's a lot more you can get from sampling. It can become a lot more strategic rather than just number of samples in someone's hand. Well, that's exactly it. And when we started getting into this, I was really quite shocked at how little the world of sampling has changed. You know, it's been going on not just for decades, but centuries. And it's always been built around that central idea of sort of physical interaction where you give something away and there was very little coming off the back of it. And the internet to me seemed like a really interesting way to for brands to adapt and, as you say, bring it into the 21st century. And the other thing that we recognised quite early on in the journey was, and to our benefit, the trend has really accelerated a lot over the past few months. But one of the things we looked at was where brands were sampling, you know, in 2013 and 2014. And what was clear was that the bulk of that volume was going through retailers, it was going through publishers. And if you looked at retail full trends, if you looked at print circulation, all the data showed that those things were declining. And what we recognised there was that whether brands wanted to or not, they'd be forced to find new channels for their sampling. And when you look at the alternatives that are available, to us, it really felt like taking it online, if you can solve challenges around you know, fraudulent redemptions or the issues around data and infrastructure and everything else, if you can fix that, what you're really creating is the channel that brands will naturally move to. And you can actually show them that maybe they should have adopted this, the journey as well, because of the results that it can generate for them. And so taking that into account, that this kind of transformation of sampling as it was and and how it can be how difficult have you found it with your corporate partners how difficult have you found it to convince them of this i mean if you if you know hearing what you say they should all jump on the bandwagon and say yes we need this we've had these gaps for a long time now but how has it been an easy transition for your corporate partners or has it taken a lot of selling (laughs) well i wish i could say that Everyone I emailed replied to me. I wish I could say that every meeting we had resulted in in a sale. Obviously, that's not the case. But I think it's been easier than I'd expected. And comparing, again, to other roles that 
I had pre-so-post. I'm certainly seeing the kind of willingness to try things this way is really there. And I think there are a couple of things that have really acted to our benefit there. The first is that in previous roles, I've been trying to sell them something completely new. And so the challenge there is that you first of all need to convince the buyer that they should be spending money in this area at all. And then the second hurdle you've got is to convince them that you're the partner they should go with. With sampling, everyone we're talking to already has budget for that. And there's a ton of research and brand's own experiences to show that this stuff works. So what we don't need to do is go in and sell them on the idea of sampling. What we need to do is help them understand why what we offer is perhaps better than what they're doing at the moment or can perhaps fit in alongside what they're currently doing. So we're not really reinventing the wheel. We're just helping them take that natural next step. And I've always found that being quite pragmatic about that approach, even if you have this big vision of changing the way everything happens, corporates, and understandably so, they're risk averse. And so what people get scared about is when you give them this all singing, all dancing, brand new thing. We've really tried to show them that we are innovating and creating change that hasn't really been in the world of something before, but also it's tied back to everything that they know and that they're comfortable with. So I say that's the first thing that has made it easier for us to get adoption. The second thing I'd say is we make the proposition so easy to understand. You know, I don't go into a meeting and say, we use AI to configure XYZ to generate these results that leverage this other thing. Like, what does that stuff mean? And I've been in pitch events and I've sort of sat on panels where you see startups introduce their business and 15 minutes in, you still have no idea what it is that they actually do. Whereas with us, I go and I say, hey, I'm Johnny, I'm from SoPost, we can help with your product sampling. And of course, what we do is much more complex than that. But I can chat to you in a lift and after that 30 second ride, I'm stuck in your head. And so if you have a sampling challenge, whether today or in the future, you think, okay, SoPost are the people who can help with that. And I think just that ease of really understanding the core of what we do has has helped us cut through so much noise in it. It's just accelerated again, accelerated the adoption that we've witnessed. So with the corpus you've worked with, Johnny, over the last few years, can you think of any kind of best practice you've seen from corporates that have really helped the partnership succeed? There are a number of different examples that I could point to. And interestingly, the areas where I've really seen these partnerships succeed have been less about the adoption of the product or service itself, and more about the way the entire corporate entity acts towards its partners. Because I think often when corporates look to innovate in their businesses, they try to find startups who can help support those goals. And that's a very noble endeavour. But what I've seen happen more often than not, is that it's quite a siloed initiative. So whilst you might have very engaged, very willing participants in, say, the marketing side of a corporate, that doesn't follow right the way through the organisation. And the partnerships that I've seen work the best, not just from our perspective, but actually from the corporates as well, are the ones where they have legal on on side, they have procurement on side, they have the finance teams on side. Because it's one thing saying, yes, we as a marketing organisation are are willing to take risks. But if you're then stuck on 120-day payment terms, when you're a small team of a few people, it makes it really difficult to grow and, and to make the partnership work. And there's one example that I love to talk about. I can't tell you who the company 
company was, but they're a FTSE 100 luxury organization. And because of nobody's fault, we were quite sort of late getting contracts signed off to the point where we eventually signed it two days before the campaign was going live. And we were a much smaller company at the time, you know, not backed by huge amounts of external investment. So cash flow was something that we really, really focused on. And what we'd agreed with the brand was that we would be able to invoice them as soon as the contract was signed so that we would have fulfillment revenue come in before the campaign launched so that we didn't have any cash flow headaches there. Now, because the contract was delayed, I'd kind of resigned myself to this money coming in later on. And, and that was that. But what happened was quite extraordinary. The moment the thing was signed, I got an email out of the blue from somebody in their finance team, somebody I'd never encountered before, saying, hey, um, we understand that we had agreed to make payments so that you would have it before things launched. If you still need that to happen, please send the invoice through directly to me and we'll get it processed today. And this was a FTSE 100 organization going out of their way without being prompted by me to make things work for their partners. And that attitude across the whole company really stuck with me. And I think that kind of thing is what I would point to to start up, sorry, to, to corporates who are looking to see how they can really make things work right the way through their businesses. And another question I'd like to ask Johnny is about the USA, because, you know, I know that you guys have you established yourself in the UK and, and over the last couple of years, you've now gone stateside. How did that happen? Yeah, so the US is actually our largest market now in terms of revenues. And we've had a focus on the state since almost day one. Uh, but the, the quick answer is we had some amazing interest from brands very early on, which prompted us to take the leap probably earlier than we may otherwise would have. And I suppose the question is, how do you find working with corporates stateside to corporates in the UK? Is there a difference in terms of how they work with startup partners? I'd say the biggest difference I probably see is around appetite to risk. The US has an incredible reputation for being entrepreneurial, for wanting to try new things. And even within some of these huge companies, it is something that I've seen they, from my perspective, do a better job of than um, than corporates in the UK. So I'd say that would be the first thing. I'd say the second thing is that as a nobody in the States, it's easier to get in the door. You know, people are much more open to meeting with you. They're open to having conversations with you. And there's, I, I heard this put amazingly well um, a week or so ago, where the analogy was that in the States, it's very easy to get the first meeting, but a lot harder to get the second one. In the UK, it's really difficult to get the first meeting. But if you have success in that first meeting, the second, third, fourth um, are much easier to come by. And I think if you look at it through that lens, it says a lot about how you can grow there and how corporate partners are willing to interact with you. So taking that into account, Johnny, do you find that for the UK and for the US, you would pitch so post differently? Now, that's a really interesting question, Ken, and I think the honest answer is yes, but I wouldn't limit it to just the UK and the US, because one of the other things I've I've found is, and don't get the wrong end of the stick here, but nobody really cares who we are. You know, corporates and the people we're meeting, they have goals, they have agendas, and what I've learned is to sort of not pigeonhole ourselves into anything and say, this is us as a business. We try to understand who we're meeting, what their goals are, and then make SOPOS relevant for them. So yes, there are absolutely differences in terms of how we pitch in the UK and US, but even within specific markets and thinking about France and Germany and, and everywhere else we operate as well, 
there are obviously cultural adaptations you make, but everything is adapted to the entity we're we're meeting with. You know, some people view us as a ad tech company, others view us as a fulfillment partner, others as a billet. Like, I'm fine with that. We'll position ourselves how we need to be positioned to help the partner get comfortable with us. So adapt to the audience that you are presenting to. Yeah, and I think for startups, that's critically important. You need to take your ego out of it. You obviously need to know internally who you are as a business and what you're about. But I'd say just recognize that people aren't meeting you out of the kindness of their hearts. You know, they have business goals that they need to need to reach and don't be afraid to reposition yourself to help support those goals. So Johnny, taking into account your experience today in both Europe and the States, I'd like to ask you a question that I ask all my guests. Do you feel that more corporates now are seeing the benefit of working with startups and subsequently these partnerships are becoming more frequent. How do you see that? The short answer is yes, I think corporates are doing more. But secondary to that, I think the approach they're taking is much better. You know, I I think in the early days there was a danger that these startup partnerships were seen as a bit of a PR gimmick. Uh, Whereas today, I really think there is some real drive and intention behind what they're trying to do. So stepping back, Johnny, um, across your many partnerships with corporates, are there any that stand out as a partnership that has really become a, a real catalyst for change for yourself and for the, the company concerned? Yeah, there are quite a few different examples that I can think of where what we've done has really been a catalyst for change. And obviously, in terms of the product side of things, helping our partners shift from a in my opinion, very archaic way of sampling to what we offer is a huge thing. But beyond that, and and I think actually more importantly for the purposes of this conversation is really helping our partners think differently and helping them adapt the way they operate internally. And there are a number of partners of ours who I can think of who don't view us just as a sampling vendor. They come to us with challenges and with ideas and opportunities that a lot of the time have nothing to do with what it is that we do at the core of our business, but they're looking for advice, input, and they come to us not because it's related to sampling, but because they would like some support and guidance around how to think about those challenges they're facing in a way that isn't going down the standard route that they might have been used to through their training in, in years gone by. So it's a, in effect, it's like a, an equal partnership. Exactly. And there's so much that I've learned from our corporate partners. And I'd like to hope that there's a lot that they've learned from me and, and my team as well. So final question, Johnny, is, and I ask this to all my guests, and it comes in two parts. The first part of the question is, over the last few years with Sopost, what has been your key learning personally from working with corporates? And secondly, for our corporate listeners, what would you say is the key benefit of of starting to work with a startup? So my key learning from the past few years is probably that even when you're dealing with huge entities, you're still just dealing with people. And I think that can be forgotten a lot. I certainly didn't recognize early on that these are still just individuals. I used to get so sort of worked up around this idea of the huge organization that I was working with, which is totally odd because it's not, you know, they might be in a 20,000 person company, but it's still just one individual with feelings and thoughts and emotions, just like you and me. And in terms of the benefits to corporates from working with startups, there are so many, and I really don't know what I'd say the the biggest one is, but 
more than anything else, it's probably that working with startups allows them to try things quickly. And from what I've seen with corporates, it allows them to bypass a lot of the red tape that can exist internally. So choosing a a relevant startup partner can at least allow an organization to try things out without having to spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying to develop it internally or trying to have an agency who is not sort of well-versed in this area attempt to do something and probably attempt to do it badly. Welcome to the part of the show where we look to answer a question from one of our listeners. This week, Anna from Stockholm has the following question. How, when working with corporates, do you balance long-term company vision with short-term opportunities? So Johnny, before I hand this over to you to answer, I think what Anna's getting at here is, how do you balance the long-term vision for your startup company with technically what a corporate might want you to do in the short term? How do you balance the two? Wow, Anna, that is a very good question. More than anything else, I think the important thing is to be pragmatic. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I was given early on was to choose the path of least resistance, because I think there are a couple of things at play here. The first one is, if you're not blessed with huge amounts of investment, you're living in the real world where you actually need to generate revenue in order to succeed. And with that comes a certain level of pragmatism. And so I would say there, if sort of adapting what you're doing to suit a corporate's needs allows you to keep going and allows you to grow and get exposure, it's worth looking at as long as it's still contributing towards your longer term aims. And interestingly enough, as I sort of alluded to at the the start of the podcast, Sopus was never intended to be a product sampling business. The original idea behind what we were trying to do was about revolutionizing the way the postal system worked. And it's only because of an approach by somebody very hyped at Avon Cosmetics that we actually adapted our model. And the focus today is 100% on um, solving these challenges around sampling. And the way, the reason we adapted with them, first of all, was primarily because we needed to generate some revenue. But secondly, because the way that we were looking at what they had asked us to do, it was going to allow us to get to our goal of changing the way the postal system worked faster, more easily than things otherwise may have. And, and as things panned out, we actually discovered that there's an incredible opportunity here. And so I think the the short answer is as long as it's not compromising what your values are and your goals for the business, I think be pragmatic about it. And you never know, you might discover that actually the path that you get put on is something that is incredibly exciting in its own right. And you might find, as we have, that then becomes the whole business. Thanks, Johnny. Great answer. And Anna, I hope that helps answer your question. If you have a question that you would like to ask, please email me at ken at thisisprogressive.com. And each episode, we will look to pick one to two questions to discuss live with our chosen guest. Johnny, thanks a lot for your time today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. You're very welcome, Ken. It's an absolute pleasure, as always. If you want to contact Johnny, full social media details can be found in the notes to this podcast. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to this series and please rate us and leave a review on your chosen podcast platform. All contributions are very much appreciated. Thank you.